Savior who hears us when we call. There's a lot of people across the world whose God does not hear them when they call. And it's such a sweet assurance to know that when we call on the name of Jesus, that he hears us and he answers us and he doesn't leave us out in the cold and he doesn't leave us wondering if uh, if if his presence is near. I just thank God that we can reach out to him, we can feel him. Uh, feel his presence, feel the Holy Spirit when we read his word, feel it responding to us when we pray, totally unlike any other religion on the face of the earth, when you have a living God who came and suffered as a man, died, was crucified, was raised to the right hand of the Father on high, and, uh, and he's now petitioning the prayers of his bride. And we just are so thankful this morning. It's good to be with each of you. I'd like to greet you, and um, let's uh, let's start off. Give me a key of C, and we'll just remain standing, and um, let's do some singing here. As the deer 
to remember um, the services in Virginia and the town of, uh, I guess, Blacksburg, Christiansburg, Brother Sean Martin services. Uh, my daughter Arwen was up there yesterday and uh, <clears throat> the day before. Just wonderful meetings going on. I know a lot of the assembly here has been visiting up there. I, know, I also understand it got really cold in the flesh, um, but it was really warm in the spirit in these outdoor meetings. So, uh, a wonderful time has been had. A lot, also, a lot of our youth um, <clears throat> are headed down to Florida today, and so we want to pray for safe travels from them. Brother Matt is down in Florida as well, ministering, I believe. And um, <clears throat> Brother David, prepare to come up to um, to uh, bring us to the Lord in prayer for some requests here. Sister Shirley Buchanan, she's... Um, uh, week with some other symptoms. Sister Amber has mentioned that. Um, also, we want to remember Brother Keith who's working today and um, also Lucas and Mitchell who are away. Uh, Sister Laura Harwell is requesting some prayers, not feeling well this morning. Um, Sister Rachel Coffey um, has requested prayer for uh, Henry and his uh, situation with the milk. And um, we just want to remember that. Also, the Paschals are away. Um, uh, Brother Mail is, is at work. I don't know if his family is here. Um, and so many, uh, Brother Caleb, we want to remember the drums this morning. 
and it's going through a uh, loss of a dear parent and her pillar of our church and we just miss her so much sister Faye and uh, but I know how many of you remember brother Bruce um, yes as, as do I he was a good friend he worked with my dad at Maiden High School for many many years and uh, I've known him since I was a baby and uh, I just know that I'm thinking of such a joyful reunion of Brother Bruce and Sister Faye. It's just it's been blessing my heart just thinking about it. Um, the Whitlocks, remember them too. They are um, along the way. So uh, if you would, Brother David, uh, come up and lead us to the Lord in prayer for these requests. Many others that are unspoken, we pray for those as well. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we just counted a blessing to come into your house, dear Lord, to give this day into your hands. We just come humbly before you, dear Lord, petitioning to those who cannot be here, not strong enough or afflicted in the body, dear Lord. We just ask you to touch them and heal them, restore them back up so they can come back to your house, dear Lord, and, and shout your praises, dear Lord, of all that you've done for them. We just ask you to be with those that are traveling that are away, dear Lord. We just ask that you keep them safe. Just keep a hedge of protection around them, dear Lord, where they can come back as well. We just give these services in this day into your hands. We just ask you to bless the minister who brings the word, anoint our, his lips, dear Lord, to say what you have us to hear. May it fall on good ground. We just love you, dear Lord, and all that you do for us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Very good. And um, one thing I'm particularly happy about now that we're back in the assembly, we can sort of go back into our regular service mode, which means taking our offering. And so um, I know a lot of us have been enjoying giving online, but it's, it's, to me it's just part of worship in order to come together as a corporal body. As Paul said, when you gather together on the first day of the week, which is today, he said, lay a little bit of aside for the poor and for the ministry. And I believe that we ought to do that, and we ought to do it joyfully. So I'm, I'm glad that's part of our worship again. So, brothers, if you would, just come up and um, as we prepare to take that. And, Brother Andy, if you would, just come, uh, come, come bless the offering, and we'll, we'll kind of move on from there. Center our feet and sing uh, Burn, Burn, Holy Spirit. Well, burn, burn, Holy Spirit, burn in me, set my soul.
standing just for a moment. I'd like to welcome some visitors, Justin and Shalom. I uh, love all from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it's good to have you here with us. Also, um, uh, Wayne and Faye, it's good for you to be here. I'm so glad to see you this morning. And I'd like for, to request that you sing a special this morning as well. If you have one prepared, and uh, I hope that you do. <laughs> and surely you know that you should have one if you if you show up. So that's very good. Let's um, while you're preparing, let's sing one number here. And uh, while Brother Wayne and Sister Faye get ready to come and do a special for us, um, <clears throat> by my Spirit, saith the Lord, is there a mountain in your way? Do doubts and fears abound? Press on, oh, hear the Spirit say, this mountain shall come down, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, say the Lord. Well, not by might, and not by power.
It sure is good to see y'all this morning. Uh, we had a water leak at our church, so they canceled service, so I said, yay! <laughs> no, <laughs> that wasn't good, but uh, anyway, I'm just glad to be here this morning. <laughs> Today I faced a mountain that I had no strength to climb. And the struggle of the journey left me weak, both in body and in mind. Where I stand to the peak is a distance on my own. This journey of a thousand steps begins right here on my knees. Soon I'll soar like an eagle
I think we can both be sad about the, the water break and joyful and honored that Brother Wayne and Sister Faye would worship with us this morning. So Let's stand to your feet. Let's, uh, give me a C. Let's do I'd rather have I'd rather have Jesus. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by Just as we begin this morning, we open up our service today and this part of it. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to be able to gather together, Lord. And 
Truly, we sense your presence among us today. Many folks, Lord, that are away and traveling, some not well, we commit each one of them into your hands, Lord. We pray that your presence would just cover them and touch them in the way that they have a need today. Lord, we ask that you would just move among us and speak to our hearts. We pray that every spirit would come under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, you might have complete sway and control over us. Lord, we desire to come not to tell you what to do, not to tell you what to be, but, Lord, we ask that you would just come and, Lord, just have free course among us. Move, I pray, and move through the word of the hour. We love you. We thank you, Lord, and we ask your blessing upon this day and all that is done. We give you thanks, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, and for your glory we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. We'll let our musicians take their places, too. Uh, Jeremy, I'm not on here. Uh, I don't know if that's my issue or not. God bless you all. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Good to have you all here uh, today. And uh, we have a lot of folks, obviously, that are traveling and uh, moving around, folks that were up in Virginia. We're seeing... Uh, some meetings now being scheduled and, and happening over the summer. And uh, we'll let you know, normally we post those things in the, in the lobby over there and, or in the classroom and, uh, or in the library. I guess the library is what I meant to say. And uh, so we'll keep you posted on some of those meetings that are happening there. Some people are planning some still, and some people are uh, making arrangements there. So um, we will certainly let you know as we do know. We, um, we want to remember a couple of special needs that I didn't get out to John today, and, and I appreciated John stepping in and taking the song service today. We want to remember Sister April Grant, um, also uh, Josh and Kristen, who are not here. They're having a baby shower for Sister Kristen uh, down uh, near the coast of Josh's family. And also Amanda Bilton's father. And they were at the hospital all last night. Sister Amanda's father uh, had a problem with um, urinary tract and so forth. And they had to do some pretty extensive procedures last night. So uh, we want to remember them in prayer. They uh, sent me that request this morning. And also, as well, we want to continue to remember Brother Andy's mom, uh, who has the uh, brain tumor, and uh, we're glad to have Brother Andy back. His family's on the way back. And uh, Brother Andy, we just uh, want to make that a, a regular prayer request for your mom and just trust that the Lord will undertake for her. Uh, we do know that, um, you know, we don't always understand why or how these things happen, but that's not our business. Our business is to only believe. That's what Brother Bram taught us. He said, don't try to sit there and sort everything out and say, why now, why her, why this, why that. He said, just only believe that all things are possible. So that should be our prayer for any one of us and for any one of our loved ones. And uh, we want to certainly do that. Uh, we are collecting some of the materials that uh, we're going to ship down to Guyana. So we're beginning that process. If you have stuff, don't go to the Goodwill. And buy a bunch of things out of Goodwill, okay? If you have things at home that you want to ship down there uh, for the people, it's uh, a country that is, it, it, it is very near the equator, so they don't need winter boots. Uh, but if you have things at home that you want to bring, cl good clothing, bring it along. We're also collecting English uh, spoken word books, spoken word books that you may have, or books like this. 
this is the Supernatural series, and if you have any of those that you uh, or know of anybody who has some, uh, bring them along, and we'll make sure they get recirculated. There are several countries that have requested English books, and we're just uh, sorting through some of the ones, the extra ones that we have. Uh, I was at the meeting uh, yesterday, and uh, one brother called me, and I filled up the back of my pickup with English books. He said they're just sitting around in the attics of churches, and uh, he collected them, and he brought them from Indiana and uh, filled up the back of my pickup truck with these books. And I really appreciate that because there's people desiring to have those overseas, so we're going to be shipping those uh, over yonder. So if you have any or you know anybody who has any, bring them along. We will make good use of them. Sister Drum uh, told me this morning that we're going to take Sister Gregg's books and give them to a minister overseas. She made it a point of collecting every single sermon in written form, and she has them all and wrote in them and so forth, and she said that Sister Gregg would be delighted uh, to pass those along to some minister overseas, so we're going to do that for her and in her honor. Um, we, we also, uh, as well, uh, we're continuing to remember uh, Brother Troy and Sister Connie's uh, stepson, nephew. Nev Kent is a nephew. I'm sorry. And uh, they're doing, actually, they're going to be leaving today, going to a fundraiser. And if you want any more details about that, you can contact Sister Connie. Uh, they're doing a fundraiser for his medical expenses today. So you can ask her, and she'll give you the details on that. Let me give you a couple of quick announcements here, and then we'll jump right into it. I have three missionary pictures that I want to show you, and this announcement here that April 9th is uh, Mitchell Buchanan's birthday. He's not here today. What? May. May 9th. You can't always believe what you read. May 9th is Mitchell Buchanan's birthday. May 10th is Sister Angela's birthday, right? It is her birthday. And she is 29 and holding. And uh, she's waving at me out there in the lobby. And uh, we appreciate Sister Angela very much. Also, Sister Jen Irish's birthday. And we appreciate Sister Jen very much and the work that our deacon's wives do. April 14th is Nathan Brown's birthday, right? How? What? May, I'm sorry, May 14th. May 14th. How old are you going to be on your birthday? Really? Wonderful. God bless you, Nathan. We appreciate you very much. Last Sunday, I showed you this picture of a group in Chahota who uh, were preparing the field for uh, the shelter they were going to build. And we supplied funds for them to have um, just building materials, two-by-fours and some roofing. They were going to make a, a shelter because they were meeting under the tree. Remember I showed you the picture? had house meetings, and it kind of grew outside of that. This was yesterday or the day before, and uh, they're moving along very fast. That's a, that's a group of folks who are zealous to get that done. So we appreciate Brother Aaron helping the f- channel the funds through there and uh, getting them down to the folks there. And uh, that's a nice size shelter for them to be able to meet together. So we're, uh, we're excited for them. I wanted to show you one other picture. And this is uh, a, a picture that Brother Elias sent me late last night. And uh, this is a group that came from the Maasai area in, um, in Tanzania in Loliondo, and he asked us to remember this Sister Anna. He put this arrow here. He said, I wanted to point her out, 
and I've never met this sister. She is uh, from one of the villages out there, uh, and, and what I understand is that Loliondo is an area uh, in the Rift Valley where all of these uh, traditional folks meet, and now this church, the believers, have sprung up there. The message is spreading, and lots of people are coming into the faith, which is uh, absolutely wonderful. But this sister Anna is... Uh, she is a former Catholic, and in that part of the world, the Catholic Church is the strongest religious influence outside of their traditional beliefs. And she has two sons. She is fairly, uh, she's older than what she looks in this picture here, but she has two grown sons who are still in the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church, uh, from what they understand, influenced those boys to come and pressure their mother uh, to return back to the Catholic Church. They don't want to lose members to anything else, especially the message. And Brother Elias and the ministers are uh, in the process of asking permission to build a church there. But the Catholic Church has put their foot down, and they're, they're resisting. They're trying to uh, prevent this from happening, because they know if the message has spread like this without a church building, my goodness, if they get a church building, it's really going to, uh, spread like wildfire. That's their, th- that's their thinking. Uh, now, I would like to say this, that you know what? The spread of the message does not depend on the building, right? The, 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 the message, uh, I will tell you this, the Holy Spirit knows them that are His, and He knows how to find them, and He knows where to find them. And He will, he will gather His elect, and they'll all be there before it all winds up. So it's not the church that they should fear. It's not a church building that they should fear. Nonetheless, the, the, church, the Catholic Church is resisting the placement of a, of a new independent church uh, there where the message is preached. But these boys uh, came against their mother. They actually held her down and cut her hair because she had the testimony that she is not supposed to cut her hair anymore. And they came in and held her down and cut her hair. When the brothers came over in her defense and tried to talk with these young men, they got clubs out, and they were going to start beating him. They didn't, but Brother Elias said it's made it for very tense uh, circumstances over there in that part of the area. So I will tell you this, that uh, Satan knows his time is short, and he fights hard. So... That's why he asked us to remember this sister Anna in our prayers and just to remember uh, remember them, that the Lord will undertake for them and give them uh, protection and uh, allow the the message to spread and allow the the word to flourish over there. And I know that uh, God has a plan for his people, that's for sure. Uh, Just a reminder here, just to let you know again that the um, men's meeting is scheduled, Lord willing, for September 24th. The website is not open. Uh, it'll be a limited amount of people who are able to go, and uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll have information for you when we open up the website. Let's stand to our feet this morning, and uh, let's take a little reading here from the Word of the Lord. Brother John was correct. Uh, in Virginia, they had the meetings this week. It was very cold. <laughs> Uh, at nighttime, in the uh, in the shade of the tent, it was windy and cold, uh, and um, but yet it was a, a blessed time, and uh, there was um, a lot of folks who had come from lots of different places there. So, 
for those of you that have been here, I know that uh, have been at the meetings there. Uh, I know that it's probably a little quieter uh, here this morning, but nonetheless, you're not going to intimidate me by uh, saying amen and raising your hands and worshiping the Lord. We should continue to worship as we uh, go all the way through the service. All right, Ezekiel chapter 43, and uh, we've read this little portion last Sunday, and I'm not going to do a whole lot of preliminary review here, but we'd just like to jump right back into it again. In verse 1, if you don't mind, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the coast. And behold, the the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision which I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the visions were like the vision I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. In other words, Ezekiel knows this is God. And, and he knows this is the same God who gave him visions in the past. This is the same God now who's declaring this to him. And he gives him uh, the message here. And if you don't mind, let's just go down to uh, verse 10. He says, Thou son of man, show the house, uh, of, uh, show the house to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and let them measure the pattern. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings out thereof and the comings in thereof, the entrances and the exits to this house, all the forms thereof, all the structure, all the design of the house, and all the ordinances thereof and the forms thereof and all the laws thereof and write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. So write it down that the people don't forget and keep these ordinances, and then do them. This is the law of the house. Upon the top of the mountain, the whole limit thereof round about shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the house. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. Let me just say that, as I mentioned, or opened up last last Sunday, this is a... A really interesting phrase where God says to Ezekiel, this is the law of the house. This is what I want you to know about my house. And this is the way that I build my house. And these are the, uh, the rules or the ordinances. In the Hebrew, it's the Torah that governs this. So we, we can also say, we can also say, because scripture has uh, compound meanings, we can also say that uh, God establishes a law for our house as well. And when I say our house, I mean uh, our dwellings, and for us to have an order in our home and, uh, you know, a, a way of structuring things that is pleasing to God. Because our mandate is not just to please God when we sit in here. Our commission is to please God everywhere that we live. Isn't that right? To be a witness of God's truth in your home and in your neighborhood and in your workplace, uh, as well as in the church. We don't just act and look like Christians when we come here, Right? We are Christians for the rest of for all eternity, right? And so, therefore, we should act that way. And we want to know what God requires as we want to fulfill that. We want to live that way. We want to do it. There also is a law of this house, right? There is an order for this house. There's a Torah. There are commandments that govern <clears throat> what we do and what we do not do and what, we, uh, what business we conduct, what activities we have and do not have in this house because this is a unique house. Would you agree? This is a a place where unique things happen. 
and we want to we want to establish this place. And by the way, let me say uh, that uh, I need to, uh, Brother Ben is not here this morning. Uh, I want to just say this that uh, I, I'm getting multiple uh, emails and comments from people who are listening and say your sanctuary looks lovely, and the people who visit here say your sanctuary looks lovely. And I'd like to say this this morning: I believe the sanctuary looks lovely. I, I, it's just so welcoming and, and warm, and I, I just appreciate that so very much, and everybody who uh, had a part in that, and, and uh, I, I'm very thankful. But there is an expectation when we come to this house that we want to experience, we want to run into the presence of God. Isn't that right? We want to encounter God when we come here. And therefore, we know, as, as Bible believers, we know uh, that we have to conduct ourselves in a certain way, and we have to eliminate certain things and include other things to, to attract the presence of God. Isn't that right? We, 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 wanna, we want to worship God uh, with a certain type of music. And we want to, uh, you know, uh, put our whole heart and soul into worshiping God with the right kind of music and the right kind of uh, even musicians and, uh, you know, the, the right kind of atmosphere that we create from the moment we come in here. Because this is not uh, an opportunity for you to see me. If you just want to see me, give me a call. I'll join you for coffee. I'll join you at your, your house for a meal. Give me a, I'm easy to reach. But that's not why we've come here. We've come here to have a meeting with God. Isn't that right? We've come here to hear from Him. We've come here to see Him. And God will use a channel of a ministry in order to speak to the people. But uh, let me tell you, it's not my presence that you're interested in. It's God's presence that we are interested in. Always, always that way. So there's a law of this house as well. There's a law of your private house. There's a law of this house. There's also a law of, of God's house and God's temple. Now, <clears throat> so let's do this. Let's, let's just take a look back, if you don't mind, in, in a little portion of Scripture here. Prior to this, and here's where you need to have your Bible. And if you go back to Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. <clears throat> Actually, it begins in chapter 37, 38, 39. We're not going to read back in there. But this is the, uh, this is the uh, a portion where Ezekiel begins to prophesy. So the last portion of the book of Ezekiel is heavy on prophecy. And in Ezekiel 38, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So this was, this was a prophecy that begins here referring to the end time. This has nothing really to do with Ezekiel's time. This is a season out from this time where Ezekiel is prophesying and telling about what's going to be going on. Now, I want you to watch what Brother Branham says about this, just so that you understand and, and you're oriented in terms of time here and what this means. He's asked the question in Questions and Answers, will Ezekiel 38 and 39 come to pass before the rapture? So will God deal with Russia before the, the rapture? And he says, now if you'll notice, Ezekiel 38 39 deals with Gog and Magog, which is Russia, the north country. It is not just Russia. It is not just the countries of the former Soviet Union. It is that whole area. If you look at a map, uh, a biblical map, and you see the outline there, there's a whole region where Gog and Magog is inhabited by the descendants of Noah. 
All right? So when Noah's children begin to propagate in their families, there's a group called Gog and Magog's sons and, uh, uh, you know, lineages that come out, and they move to the north. They're up in this north area above Turkey and above Ukraine and up in that area up there. And, and so this is where we now refer to in modern language as Russia and uh, the former Soviet Union. Now, He's asked this question now, will all of this happen? Will God judge all that before the rapture? And he says, now if you'll notice, he said, God deals with Magog. To my way of teaching it comes to pass after the rapture, after the church is taken up. And God deals with Magog and Magog when they come down before Israel there. And I think that will come to pass after the rapture takes place. Is that okay? I hope it's okay. I mean, it's a prophet's teaching, so I'm pretty certain that it would be safe to say that's okay. Right? Good to have the love alls with us here today. We, we look as we uh, proceed on in the book of, of Ezekiel here, from chapter 40 all the way to 43, God is still talking to Ezekiel about the end time period where Gog and Magog is, is judged and after the church is gone. So are we okay assuming that the church is gone here? All right. So Ezekiel 40, he carries right on. He says, and the, son of, and the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes and hear with the ears and set thine heart upon all that I will show thee for the intent that I might show unto thee, uh, 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 sorry, for, the, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought thither. So I'm, the reason you're brought in is because I want to show you things here that are going to be declared to the house of Israel. Declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. Tell it, tell it like I show it to you and describe it here. And so Ezekiel then is given, uh, he's given a description. This is not a casual description. This description takes place three, three full chapters here where God, uh, outlines very specifically in distances of cubits and measurements with a reed and uh, all the other, uh, all the other components that are going, going to go into this temple that God is going to build. And so Ezekiel is, is looking at all of this and he was, must have been like a scribe writing it all down because God told him to write it down and then rehearse it to the children of Israel. Let them hear it. Let them see it and, and experience it and, and it'll give it to them and let them keep it that they'll never forget it. So God was simply saying to Ezekiel, this is what this is what my building looks like. This is my house. And, and this is going to be the temple restored that's going to be in the millennium. And so this is an important temple. And I'm going to give you the details of it and the exact dimensions of it. This is what it's going to look like. This is what's going to be on the outside. This is what's going to be on the inside. This is what it's going to be used for. This is what it's going to be designed like. Uh, this is going to be the purpose of it. This is what's going to happen. This is who's going to come into it and go out of it. Uh, this is very specific. It takes chapters for Ezekiel to get all of this recorded and written down. Again, let's be clear about this temple here. Now, I want you to stay with me here. It's a little, uh, <clears throat> it's a little uh, technical, and that's why we're not going through the actual chapters. You can read them yourselves, but it's very detailed about the description of what happens. Now... <clears throat> Brother Branham is asked questions about this because he has taught on Daniel's 70 weeks. And uh, 
<clears throat> in Daniel's 70 weeks, Daniel also was given prophecies about the end time. How many believe that? And there are six things that the angel tells Daniel to write down. Because when Gabriel comes, there's, there are certain things that are going to happen. And there are six of them that are noted in Scripture. And you'll find them back in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. And Daniel writes these down, even though they're not fulfilled in his time. He begins to write these down. And Brother Branham comments on that, and he says, now this is the anointing, not of a man. He said Jesus was already anointed. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost, and he went around doing good, healing the sick, and so forth. But he is, he is Messiah. That means the anointed one. But here, at the end time, he's to anoint the most holy. So when Daniel uses that phrase, that, that uh, one of the purposes of Daniel is to anoint the most holy, it's not the anointing of Jesus. It is the anointing, rather, of this temple that Ezekiel is describing. Here's Brother Branham again. What is the most holy? To my way of seeing it, if I can prove by, by Scripture, and he does, he goes down through this. He says, to anoint the most holy, which will be the tabernacle that will be used during the millennium, described in Ezekiel 43, 1-6. And he says, let's go back in Ezekiel now and read it and find out that he's pictured here in the millennium. So this temple that Ezekiel is, is shown, this, this description is shown, is the one that's going to be in the millennium that God's going to use. In other words, it's going to be his house. And this is the way it's going to look. This is the way it's going to be structured. And there's going to be an anointing take place of that most holy place. Uh, because it'll be the gathering place, it'll be the house where God dwells, and, and uh, you know, obviously, you'll be there, he'll be there, and so you're getting a preview of the future home, right, uh, of, the, of the bride of Christ and the bridegroom for a season, a thousand years, and then, of course, we'll have new heavens and new earth after that. Everybody following? All right, so that's kind of the basic, the basic uh, parameter, the basic outline, and so... Brother Branham, and he, and he, he makes several comments here, and I, I, I didn't, felt like we don't need to put all of the details in here because he's, he's teaching on this, and he's, he's referring to this and says that any Bible reader will know. He said this is the, this is the millennial temple and uh, what God's going to build, but this is after, after the bride is gone. So this is God dealing with the Jews, and then out past the three and a half years, that have a thousand years, this temple is going to be uh, in place. And uh, Ezekiel has shown all of this. And so God says to Ezekiel then in chapter 43, is where we kind of pick up our reading here. And if you don't mind, if you have your Bible and it's open to 43, read along with me here. You're welcome to read the previous chapters and the previous summaries there. I, I, love, I, I love talking about the future. I, the future takes on a different meaning to you if you have eternal life. Right? Because... If you have eternal life, uh, there's always got to be a future somewhere. Even when you're living at the end of something, you know God's got to have a future program somewhere because you've got eternal life. Think about this now for a minute. If you have eternal life, then even if we say we're living at the end time and things are winding down and things are ending and all of that, hey, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't strike fear in my heart because I know I have eternal life. So even if this world ends, there has to be something beyond it because I've got eternal life. Now think about it this way. If you have a disease that's terminal in your body 
And you're looking at that and listening to the doctor and he says, hey, we can do no more for you. There's nothing else that we can do. You know what? We look at that differently than an average person in the world would look at that because we have to believe there's something beyond death if we have eternal life. The disease does not end it. The disease does not stop me. If I have eternal life, the disease does not stop me. The, the, the condition of the world does not stop me. The, the circumstances around us, Gog and Magog, are not going to stop you. The government is not going to stop you. Nothing's going to stop you if you have eternal life. If you have eternal life, no matter what takes place, there's something beyond it because that's what eternal means. So we have something always laying ahead of us, even if you do not understand what it is or what it looks like or what it's going to be like or where it's going to be, doesn't matter. I just know that if I have eternal life, God's got something prepared for me if something stops. If the Gentile world ends, let me tell you, God's got something for the Gentiles that have eternal life on the other side because we have eternal life. So God's made a preparation for us all the time ahead. Even if we can't see it, there's something ahead of us because we have eternal life. You're not going to stop. You're not going to die. You're not going to end. The grave will not be able to hold you. And so God says to Ezekiel here, He says, I want you to write this down and I want you to, to, look, to look at this house. I want you to describe it for me and I want you to tell the children of Israel. And he says, in, as we read in our text right here, he says, I want you to show the house of Israel to the people of Israel uh, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the pattern. And the idea is that uh, I, I, want you to, I want you to let them see this. This is not going to be built in their day. They're not going to see it. But I want you to show them the word that I give to you that describes this house and how it's going to be and what it's going to be used for. Because this is my dwelling. You know, whenever God makes a dwelling, he's, he's got a purpose for it. Whether it's the tabernacle in the wilderness, or whether it was Solomon's temple, or whether it was the body of Jesus, God's got a purpose for every temple he builds. Right? And so God has not raised you up for no reason either. He's got a purpose for every one of us if you are the temple of the living God. If you're the temple of the living God, God's got a purpose for you. You just don't want to mess that up. You don't want to get involved in something else where God can't use you. You want to always be in a place where God can use you. And that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful way to live your life is say, Lord, whatever decision I make, whatever choice I make, you help me to make it so that you can always use me no matter what form or what fashion or what place I am or what age I am. Doesn't really matter. You have a purpose for me from the beginning uh, time I stepped on this earth until I leave this earth. God's got a purpose. Now, uh, I, you know, I, I would want to be that way even in my old age. You know, I, I, to me, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a communicator. I'm a spokesman. I'm a herald of the king. And I, I like to be able to share the message. I like to be able to preach the message. I like to be able to distribute the message. I like to be able to print it. I like to be able to do whatever I can because I believe that that is the thing worth heralding. That is the thing worth proclaiming. And I, I believe that's what God's called me to do. And I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I'm still I'm as excited about proclaiming the message today as I was uh, on, on December 23rd, 1979, when God got a hold of my heart and I surrendered my life to Him. And uh, I'm just as excited today about doing that as I ever was. 
I hope you're excited. Your faces are not all showing it, but I, I hope you're as excited about that as I am. And I, 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 some way or another, I'd love to be able to, you know, infect you with that passion that I have. Uh, I, know, I know you believe the message, and I know you'd love to see it go. I, I, I would give you an example. I was going the other day. I have a mask that I have to wear uh, because we had to wear masks when in certain circumstances. And I have one that uh, it, it, I never, my wife bought it for me as a joke. And, uh, but I wore it and everywhere I go, everywhere I go, everyone comments on it. And it it is, I mean, everyone comments on it. 99% of the people like it. Uh, I got chased out of Starbucks up here, uh, one Sunday afternoon because I was wearing it. Somebody didn't like it. And I was shocked at that. They, they came after my car and so forth. But anyway, I know you're really curious and I have it in my office and I'm not going to show you. But nonetheless, uh, I, I get comments everywhere I go on this mask. And so, the other day, I was going into a store to return something uh, for my wife. And she was out in the car, and I just said, I'll run in. So I ran in, and I was holding the door open for this family that was coming out. And uh, I saw the wheelchair. The wheelchair is one of those, you know those mega wheelchairs? You can hold about eight or nine kids in it. It's got layers, it's got storage facilities, it's got a loft in it. I mean, you know those, you know those kind of, you know them. And so I saw this uh, stroller coming out, and I held a door open for this family coming out. And then I saw the size of the family. There must have been a dozen kids who were in the family. It was just amazing. And then I noticed the father, and the father was a Jew. He had a, he had a, a, a shawl wrapped around his waist, and he had a kippah on top of his head, and he was clearly Jewish. It was obvious. And uh, so I held the door open, and uh, he's herding this herd out through the door, and his wife is helping to get them all out, and they were, uh, you know, they were moving out into the parking lot. He was really friendly. He was apologetic for the crowd and for the size of the stroller, which was pretty impressive. And uh, they went out, and he said, I like your mask. He said, it'd be nice when we don't have to wear these anymore. And I said, thank you. Everybody likes the mask. Almost everybody likes the mask. And he said, yeah, it'll be really nice when all this is over. And he says, the world is uh, peaceful again in a place where we don't have to wear any of this stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, it'll be nice. It'll be like that way in the, in the, in, in the future, in the heavens. And he kind of looked at me, and I said, well, Baruch Hashem Adonai. That's what I said to him. And I went into in the, uh, you know, I was going into the store. He was coming out, and I was going into the store. I said, Baruch Hashem Adonai. And I waved at him like that. And he said, are you a Jew? <laughs> he was so excited that it might have been, there's not many Jewish people who live in our area, which is too bad. But he said, uh, you know, he was just so excited that someone was speaking his language, and it just lit him up. He was just so exuberant, you know, and uh, he was just he was just very uh, very excited at the possibility that I might have been a Jew. And I said, No, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not a Jew. I said, I I'm a Christian. I said, But I, I have great respect for the Jews, and I you know I just wanted to ask God's blessing upon you and your family. And and he you know he was, he talked all the way across the parking lot back at me, and he was, I could see him. He was just you know. May he who blesses Israel bless you, and all you know, all the way. To, he was so excited because he, it was almost like he, you know he had he had heard that language that's familiar. That this is something that uh, you know he was just very passionate about. He was obviously not ashamed of his Jewry, not ashamed of uh, his faith, and he was just uh, willing to show that and share that. 
And I, you know, I, uh, when I, when I talk about passion for this message, I, I, I don't think any of us should be ashamed or hesitant at all about sharing our faith. I, I, I want the world to know, not because I want to be something. I want them to know that I know the living God, and they also can know the living God. And I'm a channel, or I'm a connection point where they can meet the living God. And we should be that way. Amen. Now, I, I, I'm saying that now for a reason here, because I want you to, to, to notice here what God tells Israel that, well, I want them to see the pattern. They're not seeing the building now. They're seeing the pattern of this building. And he says, show them the pattern and let them measure that. And if they be ashamed of all that they have done, show them the form of the house and the fashion thereof and the goings in, the goings out, and all the different uh, facets of this temple here and the ordinances and the forms and the laws. Write it in there. Write it in their sight that they may keep the whole form thereof and all the ordinances thereof and do them. God must have considered this a pretty important thing if he wanted them to have that and have it for eternity or have it for their lifetime and, and be able to hold on to it. This is the law of the house. And in other words, I, I've set, I've set my, my pattern, I've set my ways on this house, and, and this is the way it's going to be. Behold, he says again, this is the law of the house. And so, <clears throat> Brother Manum makes this... Comment again, I'm still continuing on with the Daniel 70 weeks there. When the tabernacle is erected, he said the resurrections have come and the Jews have returned. Christ and the bride has come. 144,000 are sealed. Millennium takes place. And he says there will be an anointing when the most holy place will be anointed, the holiest of holies. The whole most holy place is a sanctuary where God lived between the cherubims. And this time Christ will sit in the most holy place with the anointing upon him. So here's Brother Branham now. He's taking this passage of Scripture and he's telling us that this is a very sacred place because God's going to dwell there. And there'll be no sun there. It'll be the Lamb in the midst of the city thereof. He said it'll be the light. The sun will never go down in that city because Christ will be that light, the anointed one, and the king will take his throne for a thousand years to reign. So, again, this, this is, this is a, a place of significance. Now, we know that, and I want you to just go with me now, just for a few minutes. I want you to go with me now. We know that even though God will have a place in the millennium, it's, it's not ever so much about the building itself, but it's the presence of the God of that building. Amen. Right? We know, we know that that's what's important. It's not, uh, you know, the holy mountain. It's the God who comes onto the mountain. It's not a holy message church. It's not the church itself, the building, doesn't sanctify or save anyone. It's the God who visits here. It's not, let me tell you, it's not the fivefold ministry. It's the God who uses that fivefold ministry to minister to the people, right? That's, that's the thing. That's the difference. And so God had different temples down through the ages. He had different places where he met with his people. And finally, you know, he had Moses to go, come, come up in the mountain and look at the pattern there. And he, he wanted Moses to build a tabernacle just this way that they could carry portably. I don't know if that's a word, but in a portable fashion around the countryside until they got into the promised land. And then Solomon was going to build a real temple that was stationary. But what Moses saw was the same pattern and he looked at that, and, and he saw this is a, a meeting place for God. That was the important thing, that this is a meeting place for God, and I'm going to meet with my people right here. But we know that as we go down through time and we look at all the different temples that God had constructed, there was something that he wanted to come to 
which was a body that he would prepare. And this body was the body of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? This is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Right? So God created a specific dwelling place. And now we know, we, we have the, the writings that tell us this is how God made it, and this is the dimensions of it, and this is the age of it, and this is how it looked. And uh, we know that God created that, womb, created that womb of Mary in a special way, and there was no sex involved at all. This was a supernaturally created body that God made because he was going to enter into that body and inhabit that body. Come on, you message folks know. All God was, He poured into Christ. Isn't that right? All God was, He poured into Christ. So when Jesus was born, He's born a very specific way, different than anyone else on earth had ever been born. And God Himself poured Himself entirely into that body and said, you know, all that God was, He poured into Christ. And so therefore, Jesus could honestly and truthfully say, that when you've seen the Father, you've seen Me. When you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Right? This is, this is who this is. Uh, you're looking at the outside veil. You're looking at the temple here. But for a believer, the revelation uh, allows us to be able to see beyond the veil inside that temple and realize this is not just another ordinary good guy who's on the earth. This is actually God himself in flesh walking among us. And this is how I act. This is how God in a temple acts. This is how God does things. And this is how God responds. Now, stay with me. In the dedication this morning, here's Brother Branham in the 1962. He says, Moses followed the pattern that he saw in heaven and pitched a tent to represent that temple. When Solomon built the temple, he followed the pattern by Moses, by the tent, and keeping the scripture in line. And when God came to his temple for the last days, this temple, the Holy Ghost, the body has thou prepared for me, which is the scripture we just had on the board. He said the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. The message was repent, every one of you, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That commission was given to the church, right, in the early days and still in force today. You believe that? There's a... In other words, there's a way, there's a way in, and God's very specific. There's not a dozen ways. There's not a, uh, you know, you say, well, I, I, I'm going to take a Baptist uh, baptism formula, and I'm going to take a Pentecostal tradition, and I'm going to take an Anglican way of thinking here, and a Catholic doctrine over here. Uh, let me tell you, there's not a dozen different ways. There's one way. There's one way. And, and that way is described in his word. God's very specific. Just like he was specific telling Ezekiel how to build a temple and what it's going to look like, God's very specific about salvation. And I'm glad that God is specific about that because there's no question. In other words, if I do it God's way, if I follow the scripture and do it God's way, then I know uh, it, it, it's got to be right because God would not prescribe a wrong way to somebody on purpose, right? God would not do that. So if I follow God's way, if I follow what God says, then I can always fall back on God's word and say, but you said. And, and I'm not, I don't want to sound irreverent here, but let me tell you something. If, this is, if the way of, that's described in the Bible, the way of salvation is described in the Bible, if that's not the way, then we'd be able to stand at the gate and say, but that's what God said. 
Now, we, we believe it, not to question it, but we believe it that that is what God said, yes, and so therefore I'm going to do it by God's grace, and I have no hesitation that it is the right way because we believe God's word is true. And, and so this is not a, not a question for us. This is true. And, and we, in other words, we could talk to anybody, anybody out there, anybody who has a religious idea or anybody who has another thought, anybody who has a tradition or a background or an association with another church or whatever else. Hey, that's fine. You know what? Everyone has opinions like elbows. Everybody's got a couple. But I will tell you something. God only has one. God has one way. And he's described it very clearly, and, and, it's, and it's very simple to follow, and we can point you to it, to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it's unto you and your children and as many as far off as God shall call. And it's the pattern that hasn't changed. And so Brother Bram says, when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, the message was Acts 2.38, and if you want to call your minister a doctor, Diamond, Dr. Simon Peter, he wrote a prescription, and it's an eternal prescription. That's what cures the sick. If that's what cures the sick, that's also what saves the soul. How many can say amen? That's also what gives you an inside teacher, right? That's also what gives you joy. That's also what gives you peace. That's also what gives you harmony with God is when you, uh, when you surrender your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in and, and now indwells you because you are the temple of the living God. All right, so just for a moment here, let me stop. Let me stop and say this, that if, just pause and you're thinking about the millennial temple out here, but think about the pattern, the idea of a pattern that God told his children, I want you to do things according to the pattern I have given you. And when it comes to, Receiving the Holy Ghost, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to, uh, you know, walking the, the Christian walk, there's a specific pattern that God's given. And he invites the people. He says, hey, have the people measure the pattern. Have the people look at the pattern. If they have iniquity in their hearts, let them be condemned because they're building something that doesn't match my pattern. And you know what? If they have any thought about them at all, if they have any sense about them at all, they'd scrap their pattern and they'd take mine because mine works. And Ezekiel could say to them, remember the ark? Remember all the people back in the days of Noah that you heard about that built a boat? Because they looked at that pattern and they said, we could build a better one. We could build a bigger boat. We could build a more luxurious boat. We could build a boat that wasn't as smelly as Noah's boat because it had all those animals in it. Uh, we, could, we could do better than that. And they probably all had different kinds of boats. I mean, look at, look at if the days of Noah are like today's today, I mean, there's people Googling how to build a boat all over the place. And they got all kinds of boats that were probably floating in the first wave of the rainstorm. But you know what? They didn't last because they were not built according to the pattern. So the idea is, if you want to do something that lasts, if you want to do something that is blessed, if you want to do something that God breathes upon, then you build it according to God's pattern, and it'll last. It'll, it'll, it'll see you through. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, it is expedient for you that I go away. And if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. I've got good news for you, boys. You think it's really great to have Jesus walking among you. I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to come back in a form where I can actually live in you. So that no matter where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what time of the day it is, I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you. This is better than what you've got. This is better than what you see. This is better than what you're experiencing right now. They thought, wow, couldn't be better. Here I am in the presence of the miracle workers. And then Jesus stands there and says, all right, you get in the boat and go to the other side. I'll meet you over there. So there's a time now when Jesus is not with them. Right? 
But Jesus says, I'll do better than that. I will actually go away. I'll come back in a form where I'll be with you, even in you, and it'll be better than what you got now. Because every time that God moves up a notch in the ladder, it's always better for his people. Do you believe that? And he says, Habiah, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he also speak. Now, let me give you a little statement here uh, this morning uh, in relation to this. Brother Branham says, in the message, Job, in 1955, he said, you trust in the Lord, and whatever it is, all things work together for good to them that love God. I think that's worth stopping and saying. He says, trust in the Lord, and whatever it is, God's going to make it work out for good. Say that with me. Whatever it is. (laughs) Let's now say it all together. Whatever it is. Even if it's a phone ringing. Whatever it is. All things are going to work together for good to them that love God. Isn't that right? Whatever it is, whether it is a sickness or whether it's a marriage issue or whether it's a a season you're going through, an old age, that's a season. Or whether you have teenagers that all of a sudden realize they were teenagers, you knew it was coming, they didn't. And now all of a sudden now you're dealing with teenagers here and all the things that go with that. Whatever it is. Whether you have a, uh, you know, a job situation that's now shaky or whatever you have, uh, you know, a church that's doing funny things or uh, no matter what it is, no matter, uh, even if you're affected in your mind or you've fallen into sin or I'm just, all I'm doing here, folks, is defining the word whatever. To me, whatever means whatever. It means everything that could come your way. The mistakes you make, the problems that you have, the strains in your household, the strains in your mind, all the other things that happen here, whatever it is. Now let's say it together again. Whatever it is, all things work together for good. You just can't lose when you become a Christian. You just can't lose. I'm sorry, God took lose out of your vocabulary. He took lose out of your agenda. You can't lose. You just trust in Him. And whatever the way goes, just keep your sails set to His Spirit. He will guide you into the harbor. It'll be, it'll all be all right. Sister Connie, that's good. It'll all be all right. Say that together with me. It'll all be all right. Yeah, even the thing that you think nobody can help you with, even the thing that you think that's worse and God will never love you again, even the thing that you think is going to disqualify you from eternity, let me tell you, it'll all be all right. But I'll tell you what you need to do in the meantime. You measure yourself by the pattern that God's given to us. You take the Word of God and measure yourself by that. And if your measurements are different than this, I'll give you a little piece of advice. Line up with this. Scrap your measurements and line up with that. Is that simple enough? Sorry. Now let me tell you a little something here. How many believe we do need the Holy Spirit? You need Him in your life. You need Him every step of the way, right? 
All right. You know the story. You don't, as a matter of fact, you don't even need to turn to it if you don't, unless you want to. In Luke chapter 8. In Mark chapter 5, the story is told. Matthew also tells the story as well. About how that Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat, go to another place, and I'll meet you over there. He goes over to where the, Gadarene, the, the land of the Gadarenes. And this is where the man who is uh, chained, he's got the legion demons in him. Remember the guy? I'm going to nod your head or do something. In other words, legion is the word for many, multitude of thousands, and uh, he's got all these demons in him. He's up there, and the only, the only neighbors he's got, the only company he's got is pigs. And, and nobody went there. The Jews didn't go there. Nobody went there. Uh, this is, this is a, a place that's off limits, and they put that guy in chains. It didn't matter, but they put him in chains, and they sent him up there uh, in, in that part of the country to live because no one could contain him. You've got you to imagine now. I mean, if you were there, you've got to imagine how... How rough this guy must have looked, right? I mean, you got to, sorry, but you got to imagine how he must have smelled. I mean, how, he probably didn't brush his teeth. You know what I'm saying, this is a rough guy. It's not the kind of a guy you'd want to have roaming around in your neighborhood. Brother Bam tells a little backstory, and he says, you know, uh, this guy probably was a good guy, but he said, you know, things happened to him, and he got angry, and he started throwing around the furniture, and, you know, and then kicked his kids out, and his wife would have said, this is Brother Bam's terminology, he said, his wife would have said, better get out of the way, here he comes, he's back home from work, and, you know, he's got a temper that's like a chainsaw, fighting a chainsaw. I work with chainsaws, and I would not want to fight a chainsaw. It's a great analogy. Just a great word picture. And, uh, you know, this, this guy's trouble. So eventually they're evicted out of their house, and eventually he's evicted out of the town. Eventually he's evicted out of society because nobody can contain him. This man is rampant, full of devils, full of demons, and he's trouble. So where does Jesus go? Now, let's, say, let's remember this now. What, I'm, what I want you to picture is that all God was was poured into Christ. And, and, and that's, that's this one now, Christ, Jesus Christ on earth, is moving around with a principle guiding his life. I do that only which the Father tells me. Right? That's, his, that's his, one of his guiding principles. I do that only which the Father tells me. He gets off the boat. He goes up the mountain. They say, hey, hey, Master, the town is this way. No, I'm going this way. And he goes this way into the place of the Gadarenes. And he's waiting until this guy shows up. And this fellow now is within hearing distance. And he starts to holler out. These demons in him start, Thou son of David, you know, have nothing to do with us. Leave it, leave us alone. And Jesus is now is communing in this supernatural realm here with this fellow. You've got to imagine now, this, the disciples are wondering, what in the world is coming now? They have this encounter. Jesus speaks to the man. Speaks to the demons. The demons go in the hogs. The hogs run down over the hill. They're, in, they're all dead in the water. And how this man has been delivered. I'm making that. I'm summarizing the whole thing in a sentence here. But, I mean, no one fell asleep in church that day. Right? This guy's got a reputation. Nobody went there because of this guy. And now Jesus is standing there. He's completely victorious over this thing. He proves that the spirit that's in him is more powerful, more capable, more overwhelming than any legion of spirits anywhere else in the universe. Right? He proves it in a sentence or two. 
in, a, in an action where he, he just confronts this thing. And, and he, you know, he just deals with it. And he's got the power even to direct these spirits into animals and let them go off, run off the edge of the cliff. I mean, this is an extraordinary thing. Back, I, you know, I don't mean to be irreverent, but imagine if they had cell phones back then. You know, it'd be Facebook Live, right? It'd be somebody photographing that. It would be, you know, I mean, this was, this was, this was really an extraordinary thing. Now, the next thing that happened, somehow or another, word got out, as it does, and got to the townspeople. They went out to see what was done. That's what the Bible says. And they came to Jesus, and they found the man out of whom the devils were departed. Where? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They didn't have a revelation at all. Right? I mean, clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus is a great place to be. There's nothing to be afraid about being being clothed right and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Hold on. Isn't that what we're doing this morning? You're the ones that get to sit. But here's this man now, the one that they feared, the one that they knew was a, a, you know, a, a, a tormentor and all the other things that went on. And here he is now sitting, dressed like one of them, and he's, and he's sitting there, and he's listening to Jesus, probably making notes. You know, I, I don't know, but he, he's, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, I, I just want to say this, and I want to I just illustrate something here that I trust that you'll take right and take well. And that is this. We need... We need to know the God. And we need to see the God of miracles among us. We need to believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever chain binds you can be broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the power is not a million miles away. The power, I believe, is among the bride of Christ. Because we are the temples of the living God. And he is the same. Therefore, if he could do that, he can still do that. And we believe, we believe that there are uh, ministries even that God has given. We saw it in the life and ministry of Brother Branham, didn't we? Where, uh, you know, I mean, people came against him. I, you know, I was in the tent this week and I, I, in the meetings there, and I was thinking of how that, that brother told me who over in Europe there, he was in the tent when that storm came in the tent. You remember the witch doctor sat in the front row and they conjured up a storm. And the storm is there's lightning and wind and noise in Inside the tent. And, and this brother who told me, he said, I was in the tent when this was going on. He said it was complete and utter chaos and pandemonium. And he said, I ran out the door. And he said, when I got out the door, the sun was shining. There was no clouds. There was no wind. There was nothing at all. And he said, I looked back in the thing and the place is coming apart with the storm that's on the inside. And he said, I looked over. I just happened to look over. And here's Brother Branham just standing there on the platform. He's not ruffled, he's not amazed, he's not, he's not doing anything, he's just kind of waiting there. He knows what's going on, he knows what's, what's taking place there. But it, this, is, this is just absolute uh, chaos that's there. And I believe that as we have seen in the ministry and, and in the gifts that God gave that prophet, I believe that God proved in this generation that chains can still be broken and storms can still be stilled and problems can still be solved and questions can still be answered and there's nothing that's too great for God. 
There should be not one of us that does not believe that. There should not be any of, any among us that fail to testify of that truth. Even if you've never seen it and you've never experienced it, there's something about being a believer in the last day that we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your sin is not so dark and your problem is not so great and your dilemma at your house is not so difficult that God can't fix it because we believe He's the same and God still has the power and what we need to do is invite Him in and let Him have His way. The normal way was not to go through the Gadarene, the place of the Gadarenes where this guy lived. That was not the normal way. But let me tell you, the worst thing you can do is put Jesus in a box and tell him what way he has to go. You should just say, Lord, I surrender my way to you. You come to me whatever way you want to. You come to me in whatever service you want to. Come to me in, in, in any way or in any form at all. But Lord, just let me know it's you. Come the unusual way. Come the extraordinary way. Come in a supernatural way. But Lord, come because I need you. I have a problem. That's the God we serve, right? But isn't it also true that we need to have this second part? Where people can come and sit at the feet of Jesus and learn and grow and enjoy the richness of the Word of God. Isn't it true? That if having the Holy Ghost is the only thing you need to have, then God would never have placed teachers in the body. I believe you need the Holy Ghost. I believe you need an encounter with God, and I believe you need a new birth. I believe you need all of that. How many, how many of you believe that? You need a supernatural meeting with God. You need to repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and walk in newness of life. I believe that. But you know what? We've learned things over the years, even with the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is an inside teacher, but God will use ministries to be able to speak from the Word to our hearts and help us to know the way that's pleasing unto God. Can I give you a little statement here? Is that all right? Brother Bram says, in Jesus Christ the same is the name of the sermon, 1958. He said, I'm so glad to see your group of ministers that are here. He said on the platform with me tonight that if souls get saved, you know what they can do. They can take you and bring you to their church and teach you the way of the Lord more plain. Let me say it again. He says, I'm so glad to see this fine group of ministers here on the platform here tonight, that if souls get saved, you know what they can do. They can take you and bring you to their church and teach you the way of the Lord more plain. Because that's God's way. There's a... We have need of of the one who breaks the chain. We have need of the the teacher, the inside teacher, right? Don't don't look at me funny here, folks. We we need to have we need to have instruction in righteousness, right? We need to have we need to have all of it. And what I'm simply saying to you this morning is, I, I'm glad that in the pattern of the book. In the way that God designed things, God has placed all these things in here for us, so that we would grow up in the measure that God designed for us. And at the end of the road, God can look at the pattern. He can look at you and say, that's correct. That matches the pattern. That matches the, pa- that matches the pattern. That matches the pattern. Lincolnton over here, he may not m- match my pattern, but he doesn't have to. He's not ordained to match my pattern. And I'm not ordained to match his. He's ordained to match his pattern that God has predestinated for him. Right? And God's got a pattern for me. God's got a pattern for you. And he wants to shape you and mold you so that you always match his pattern 
for you because you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And he says, going back to Ezekiel 43, he says, now, let the people look at the pattern, and if they feel ashamed or convicted, he says, then they'll know what God expects. They'll know what God desires. They'll know what God's design is. But they've got to have a pattern to look at. They've got to have something to reference by. Because otherwise, it just comes down to your opinion and my opinion. And I will tell you that our opinions often are wrong. Our opinions and our assessments are often wrong. Our interpretations are often wrong. I hope you don't mind me saying, but we had a lot wrong before we came into the truth of this message, right? We had the Godhead wrong. I was really sure. We had original sin wrong and what happened in the Garden of Eden. We had salvation wrong and we had baptism wrong. We had the meaning of the shout wrong. We had discernment wrong. We had gifts, order, and love all wrong. All right. We didn't really understand about pyramids, absolutes, stars. We didn't understand really the power of the devil, and we thought the TV was okay. I mean, that's just a few. Men had this idea, people get this idea that, you know, when I get my life right, I'm going to, God's called me to do something. When I get my life right, then I'll go do it. Who are you to tell God when you're going to operate the gift he's placed in you? That's kind of presumptuous, isn't it? For you to say to God, not yet, not yet, I need to do this first, I need to do this first, I need to become this first, and then I'll I'll, I'll let you use me. I wouldn't want to be telling God that. God knows when, God knows how, God knows how to shape us, because God's got a pattern, right? I believe everything that he does in your life is related to a pattern that he's got of you, because he wants to come and fulfill what he said all God was he poured into Christ, and then all Christ was he poured into the church. And you're that church. You are the people that God designed for the last day. And whether you realize it or not, God made a pattern for the last day. And he said, this is what the last day believers are going to look like. They're going to be people that are unusual. They're going to be people that are going to look in the face of every denomination and say, no thanks, and walk out. All the false creeds, all the false websites, all the false accusations, all the false prophets that are out there, everything that comes out of anywhere at all, and you're able to look at that and say, and keep going, walking in the light. Because you've been taught and trained and shaped to walk according to one thing and one thing only, and that is that light that God shines in the last day. When that pillar of fire moves, we move. When it stays, we stay. When that voice sounds, hey, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. And when that, she- when that voice calls, we're there. Because you know why? We've been sitting at the feet of Jesus. Brother Manum says, and a greater than Solomon is here. He says, well, I'm glad to see you have good spiritual leaders here. He says, and they'll teach you the way of the Lord. He said, I'm just here in an answer to prayer running over the ground that they have laid. He said, if there's any credit given us to those ministers that have, uh, you know, broken the ground and sowed the seed, and he talks about that. But he says, God will uh, provide these ministers here for you, and they'll teach you the way of the Lord. Brother Rams asked a question in Questions and Answers in 1954. And he says, everybody has to have a leader. He says, ducks have a leader, bees have a leader. Um, my neighbor uh, over next door to me has, because neighbors live next door, they have a uh, beehive. And uh, they, had a, they separated their hive. And when they separated the hive, obviously there's a queen in one and no queen in the other. And all of a sudden, uh, they gave us a, a, a text. They sent us a text, and they said, 
uh, just be advised that we split the hive. And uh, I, I don't know much about bees, but I know that when these guys who were separated out from the queen, when they came out into their own place, they got disoriented, and they got angry, and they started to flying around. They were stinging everything they could find. And so they said, be aware that we need a drake that sounds out a certain sound, and, and you know, it's a signal to fly south or fly north, with their, whichever way they're going. Elder Bram says everyone's a leader, and he says a man's got to have a leader, and that leader is the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. And then he says, someone came to me, same quote, someone came to me and said, oh, Brother Branham, we don't need anyone to teach us. When the Holy Ghost comes, we don't need anybody to teach us. The Bible says you do not need teaching. So they say, you know, we don't need to be in a church. We don't need to sit under your ministry at all. We don't need to have a teacher. Brother Branham said, well, let me ask you this. Why did the same Holy Spirit set in the church teachers he said in the church he said the church in order and said we've got to have teachers we have we he says we don't have to teach you thou shalt not commit adultery thou shalt not swear you already know that the very conscience of the holy spirit tells you it's wrong to do that but now as far as scriptural teaching it takes a holy ghost anointed teacher and God has set the church in order by apostles and prophets and gifts of healing and miracles and so forth. He set the church in order to put teachers, so forth, in there to guide and direct his church. And so on, so on, so on. I got those pages of quotes. I didn't get them to put them on here. Let me say this. If we just have teaching, you know what will happen to the church? It will dry up. Because it can be very... Uh, you know, it can be, sometimes you, you leave church and you're kind of, whoa, you know, how will I remember all of this? But let me say this, that it's not just always casting out demons. Because if the demon is cast out or the power in your life is broken, teach me how not to fall in that trap again. Show me a better way. I thought I was right. I thought I could handle it. I thought I was doing okay. But somehow or another... Satan slipped a chain on me. Lord, show me a better way. Is that making sense? Am I making sense here? So it's not just one or the other, and it's not just prophetic, and it's not just evangelistic, and it's not just teaching, and it's not that. That's why God gave us a fivefold ministry in order to be able to have a balanced perspective on this. So we need to have we need to have that evangelism. We need to have, you know, like a tent meeting. We need to have a revival every now and then. We need to have a, a time where we can set aside and do a meeting for men or boys or, uh, you know, for the girls to get together. We need to have, I, but you know what, what the great thing is, is that that's not a pipe dream. That's what God's provided for us. We need to have that. Because there needs to be a message of salvation for the unsaved. But there needs to be a message that prepares us in the process of adoption because we need to mature. We need to grow up. We need to realize that there are traps that Satan has set. And Satan is insidious and he's sly. Maybe, just maybe, the devil has caught you out somewhere give you a sickness. Maybe... You're backslid. But remember, he climbed the ramparts of glory sitting on high, and his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. 
He is from everlasting to everlasting God. He steps up and watches you. He sees where you're at. He knows how concerned each one of us are about it. He knows your interest in Him and your interest in the kingdom. And I like this. And He knows where your heart is. He knows what your heart's desire really is. So He watches over you. For people in their heart who don't care, it's a different kind of watching. Because sometimes God then will watch that person to make sure he doesn't harm one of his elect. Right? Because there are limits to evil. But when a person has a heart, but they might be weak in an area. They might, have, they might be susceptible to certain feelings or emotions. They may feel like they're useless, and so I don't, you know, I don't fit in anywhere. Some people might feel like they're, uh, you know, I'll never get married. I'm, I'm, I'll be lonely forever. And Satan will jump on that, and he'll set a trap as a result of that. Some people may feel like, well, you know, nobody recognizes my talents. And uh, Satan will jump right on that, and he can cause a critical spirit to move in the church, right? Say, the pastor chooses this person, but never chooses me. And there's all kinds of ways that Satan will set a trap based on some of the, just the innocent weaknesses that we have as human beings. There are times when you feel, like I've said many, many times before, there are times when you feel really close to God. You feel like you could, you could raise ten feet in the air just by thinking about it. There are times when you feel like you could reach out and touch the presence of God. And there's other times in your life you feel like he's a million miles away and that he doesn't care. And no one else cares. Isn't it true? Some of us are there. Thank God we're not there all the time. But there are times you go through that. And some personalities are more susceptible to that, it seems like. Some personalities are just uh, seem to have a propensity towards that. They have a, a leaning towards that. Women think differently than men. Men think differently than women. Really differently. Men are much more marine-oriented. Men have solutions all the time. We have solutions. We have fixes for everything, generally. And uh, they don't always work, and they're not always right, but we have solutions nonetheless. Women think differently about things. And, hey, listen, don't blame me. All right, don't blame me that I made a guy and that I get to preach, and you're a woman and you don't. Don't blame me that because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You came from a certain set of parents, and, and that was not an accident. That was a design by God. So there are certain things in your life that you really need to overcome. You need to help overcome. And I will tell you this. I will, I, will just, I will just say this. I want you to take this home with you. There are times when you need to ask him to break the chain off your life because you've dragged this ball around long enough. And then there are times when you need to say, Lord, show me a better way. Lord, let me sit at your feet and let me learn and grow. Because I know you're watching me. I know you care about me. I know you care about right where I am. And there's nothing I can hide from you. And so, therefore, I should not fear. I should just really, quickly, throw myself at the mercy of God and say, Lord, help me right where I am. Let's have our musicians just slip up. Don't lose your thought. Jesus never sent an email or a text over to Gadara 
and say, send that guy over here. He never did that. He never said, send that madman over here. We're having a revival on this side of the lake. Send, put him in a boat and send him over our way. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He went to him. He went to him. You remember last Sunday I talked about Moses' mother. And that quote that I gave you, and you may not remember the details of it, but you remember how that, uh, in, that in that particular statement, it was the, the, the power of, of faith that Moses' mother had in the conflict of testing of her faith. Hebrews 11 talks about this, how they hid Moses because they knew he was a special child. And every child, this is the last statement I'm going to give you, every child, every son that cometh to God first must be tried. God tests your faith. God has the right to do that. God has the will to do that. God has the purpose in doing that. God tests your faith. Look like God could simply bypass the whole thing. But it's better that he gives you a test than comes to you when you're in the test. That's a fantastic thing. That's a fantastic thing. Because you think, oh, my troubles are too great. My problems are too large. My, my valley is too dark. And there's absolutely no way the Holy Spirit's going to come to me. Well, that's your view. This is God's view. I said, that's your opinion. This is God's opinion. That God has determined for us. It's better for you to have the test. He doesn't give you the choice. He doesn't say, come to me. But rather, he comes to us in the middle of this problem. He comes to us in the middle of this trial. And I will tell you what. There are some of you sitting there saying, I don't have a trial that God could come to. kind of wish I did now because I believe that this quote is true. And there's some of you who are still debating and saying, oh, I don't think it'll happen to me. It might happen to Brother Branham, and it might happen to Brother Barry, and it might happen to somebody else, but it won't happen to me. And you know what? Whether you realize it or not, this is the test of your faith. This is the test whether you believe God can actually and will actually and come low enough to your valley to come to your test that you're going through and your difficulty that you're going through. And I say this to you this morning, he will. He will. Just give him an indication that you want him to come and and just receive him as he shows up at your door and say, Lord, I need you. I need you now and I I, I just am trusting that you're going to help me here because you know what? I got chains I can't break. I got a problem I can't solve. I got a financial situation that I can't get over. I've committed a sin that I think is unpardonable and my goodness, Lord, here I am and I just, I can't break this. I tried. I, I tried and I tried my best, but Lord, I can't do it. He still is the high priest. He's still waiting to be called upon into your scenario, into your problem. God does test your faith. God does not speak all chains out of existence. But he will come and break them. And you know how God does it? He does it from the inside out. God doesn't break chains on the outside and let the problem still fester. God works on the inside and breaks those chains so that there's no physical or outward, outward power that can hold us anymore. It's not a cigarette in my hand and it's not a bottle in my hand. It's not a drug I shoot in my veins. It's not anything like that that's going to hold me anymore because the power is broken on the inside. And when the power is broken on the inside, praise God, there's no physical power that can chain you and hold you. When lust is broken on the inside, when lust is crushed on the inside, and you submit your heart to God and give it to God, let me tell you, 
There's no power that can hold you. The temptations are still there? Absolutely. Does Satan throw darts at you? Absolutely. But there's nothing can hold you because he breaks the chains from the inside out. That is your test of faith. We need him. We need him every every turn of the way. We need him. But I'm here this morning to offer you hope. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's... It, it, there's a time when we sit at his feet. There's a time when we have to go and say, Lord, I'm just like a man in chains. We, we need the prophetic. We need the evangelistic. We need the pastoral. We need the, uh, you know, the healer. We need the deliverer. Whatever it is that we have need of. God, I'll tell you what. The beautiful thing is that God has supplied because, because there is a design. And your design is to stand as a son of God and be free. Your design is to stand as a daughter of God and hold your head high and say, I'm not ashamed of the standards of this message that God has given to us. I'm not ashamed of what God requires of us. I'm not ashamed to admit that that we believe God has sent a prophet in this last day into this world. I'm not ashamed to to, uh, say that we have eternal life. We're living at the end. I'm not ashamed, uh, you know, of, uh, you know, my hair and my dress and my, all the other, I'm not ashamed of that at all. That's what God's design is, because you're meant to be the one, according to Revelation 10, you're meant to be the one who follows Revelation 10:7 and does what? Takes the book, eats the book, prophesies again. So if truth is going to come out of anyone's mouth, it's going to come out of our mouths in the last day. It's going to come out of our mouths. And that's the design. That's why God chose you to live here. That's not by accident, that's by design. How many can say amen? Let's stay to our feet. It's not by accident that we are who we are, believing what we have, enjoying the presence of the one who is among us here. It's not by accident. It's by design. Do I always feel good about my experience? Not always. Someone said to me last Sunday, we were talking about some tough things Sunday afternoon with the men and the boys and talking about some rough forms of temptation that people go through it. And they, they simply said to me this, and I'm not, I'm not saying this for the wrong reason, but they were saying, we like the way you talked about it on, on everyone's level. They said, you, you, you weren't up here preaching down at us, you were on our level and you talked to us about the problems that men face. And I find that that's the way that Jesus did things. He did not, he did not get up on the hill and say, hey, you lunatic, man of Gadara, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a loser, you're lost. He didn't do that. He went right to him. And he spoke to him. Got on his level. Got on his ground. And, and did that. And if that's, if that's God in the temple, if that's God in flesh, then now it's God in this flesh. We should not have an attitude where we look down at anybody else who might believe differently and say, ha, we're the bride. We're in a better church than you are. God forbid that that attitude would ever creep in among us. You know what? I understand the message right. None of us are going to get in through the gates of heaven ahead of anybody else unless you die. When it comes to the rapture, we're all going to get in the same day. The same moment in time we're all going to get in. Isn't that right? We need you, Lord. Let's sing it this morning. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. Close your eyes now and just sing it to Him. We need you, Lord.
Just deal with hearts, Lord. We pray. Lord, I know you've been dealing with young hearts among us the last little while. And Father, you're just always so gracious. And you, you come to us. You come to us in the middle of our struggles. And you come to us in the middle of our mistakes. You come to us even in the middle of our criticisms. And everything else, Lord, that Satan helps us to see that's wrong, you still come. And you, you're, you're a healer. You're one, Lord, who is able to pour oil upon troubled waters. No matter what happens, Lord, no matter what takes place, no matter how close we come to the end, Lord, you have a pattern, you have a way. It's always better for us, Lord, to continually measure ourselves by this absolute that you've given to us. And may we always come to that pattern. May we always, Lord, submit ourselves to you. Father, we thank you and love you. And ask your blessing upon this people and continue, Lord, to deal with us as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I lift my hands
see prayer this
key is always to give it back into God's hands. Satan gives you an arm load, give it back to God. Satan's giving you a sickness, give it back to God. Satan's giving you a fear of something, give it back to God. That's the key, folks. That's the key. It's not complicated. That's the key. I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, I give myself away so you can
to trust in Jesus. Oh, I've learned to trust in God through it all. Oh, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. Many times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me this consolation that my trials only come to make me strong.
more time now. Yes, in Jesus' name, we press As we close this service today, Lord, we do believe, Father, that we go with the consolation that you're watching us, no matter where we are. Not watching us to condemn us. Not watching us to trick us. We believe you're a helper. We believe, Lord Jesus, that you are a comforter, no matter what we go through. So, Lord, we go with the knowledge and awareness that our lives are ordained to fit a pattern. They're just made a certain way to be a certain thing. Lord, may you just continue, Lord, to shape us. Continue, Lord, to compose your program, your will in us. We need you, Lord. Because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you forgive, we can face tomorrow. Because we know you are a forgiving God and a merciful God, we press on. Father, we thank you for that. So we turn our eyes to you today, and we just ask, Lord Jesus, that you'd strengthen each one. Bless those who are traveling today, Lord. We commit them all into your hands, and we pray, Lord, for your healing mercies to be extended to each one. We love you. We thank you. And we do know you care for us. We'll give you thanks and praise for all of it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus Christ's name, we pray. sing one chorus and then you're welcome to go after that. If you want to stay in worship, if you want to stay for prayer, you're certainly welcome to do that. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I appreciate the sweet atmosphere that's here today. And may the Lord bless you and we'll see you on Wednesday night. Jesus is the sweetest name I know.
God bless you, Jesus is.